I know some of your names, like Janie, I know that you're supporting me, thank you so much. Some of you that have supported me, I don't know your name. I haven't met you yet, but I want to say that God does know your name and he does know that you're supporting me and he does um, consider that a big sacrifice. I know that, um, that God knows exactly how much you have to give time, prayer, resources. He knows how much you have to give, and anytime you support anyone, he knows. Even if, even if no one else knows, even if it's not something that you get attention for, that, that God knows. Yeah. He does. Um, okay, so I'm going to speak just a little bit, and then I'll sing a song, and then I'm going to speak just a little bit more. So I'll try to be quick. Um, I want to introduce myself just one more time. I'm Kelsey Fortenberry, and I'm from Lubbock, Texas. I'm just about five hours away from here. And um, I am a little bit strange, so I just need you to know, just be prepared, that I'm a little bit strange. Um, Every time I talk to someone and I say, I want to go to Africa, I'm going to Mozambique, I, wanna, I want to move there. Everybody goes, oh, okay. Wow. Wow. Why? And so I'm one of those weirdos. I'm one of the strange ones that, like, I want to go there. I was talking to my friend's dad yesterday, and he was like, so you're going to Africa. You're really going to go? And I was like, yes, sir, I'm going to go. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. And he was like, are you sure? And I was like, it's a little late for that now. But no, yes, I am sure I'm going to Africa. Um, So I want to tell you guys just a little bit of my story and kind of how I came to that decision, and then maybe you guys won't think I'm so weird anymore. Um, But I grew up in, in an Assemblies of God church like this one, and as you guys know, the Assemblies of God and a lot of Assemblies of God churches, they really, really heavily support missions. Um, To my knowledge, the Assemblies of God is one of the largest Protestant denominations worldwide because the focus is so heavy on sending out um, people to share the gospel in the world. And so I grew up in a church really, really similar to this one. And as a benefit of going to that church, there were often missionaries that would come and they would speak to us about their heart and about the people around the world. And um, my reaction, even from a pretty young age, I can remember hearing the stories about missionaries going to Africa and missionaries going to Asia and missionaries going to um, South America. And I remember being like, wow, that would be so cool if God would call me to missions one day. And so I just thought that always from a young age. And so the first opportunity that I really had to go on a missions trip was when I was 16 years old. I went on a missions trip with ambassadors in mission to El Salvador. El Salvador is in Central Europe, and I I promise I'll talk about Mozambique in a second, but I'll talk about El Salvador for just a second. It's a little tiny country in, um, in Central America. And we went there, and I had the privilege to work with a ministry called King's Castle, where we went to schools, and we did basically, I'm kind of like a vacation Bible school program at the school where we would do little skits, and we would do songs. And amazingly, in that country, they would allow us to go into the public schools and do that. And so we would go into the public schools, and I remember just seeing all of these children that didn't know Jesus 
especially I remember being in a, um, it was like a middle school, junior high situation, and all of these kids, we gave an altar call at the end, and a few came forward, and we were so thankful for that, but so many of them were not moved in their heart, and I remember just being like broken by it, and being very, very sad, because these kids, um, they didn't know that they needed Jesus. They didn't realize that they needed that in their life. Um, and at that point, God started to really work in my heart and to call me to missions. And so it's been a long road. I was 16 at that time, and now I'm 26. And so it's been 10 years, and I'm finally, I'm finally getting to go. I was, um, I obviously was hoping that I would get to go sooner, but God told me to wait. And throughout the years, I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'm the kind of person that will go on missions trips. Maybe that's how I'll be a missionary. Or maybe I'm the person that will send other missionaries, and that's how I will be involved in missions. And then about a year ago, God spoke to my heart again, and he said, it's time. It's time. And so I've been pursuing this, and I um, just actually... Last Thursday, I was commissioned as a missionary associate with Assemblies of God World Missions, and I got the chance to be with a bunch of other people who are weirdos like me who are going to different places, India, Zanzibar, Ecuador, Wales, different places all around the world, and it was so beautiful. But I want you guys to know that none of the weirdos like me, none of the strange people like me could go if it weren't for people like you that sent us. That's, that's the Bible's model for sending people out to reach the community and to reach the world, is that they are commissioned and that they are sent. They're sent, yeah. And so um, I will be going to northern Mozambique. I'm going to be going to the city of Pemba. It's in a province called Cabo Delgado. And Cabo Delgado is the, one of the northern provinces of Mozambique. The, the really interesting thing about Mozambique, it's kind of a long, skinny country. And the southern part of Mozambique has a pretty, um, pretty large Christian population. But in the northern part of Mozambique, which is really close to um, strongholds of Islam like Tanzania and um, and it's closer to those northern Africa countries that have a really heavy presence of Islam. The northern part of Mozambique is, is very, very heavily Muslim, like he said, 37 to 1 um, ratio. Um, I read that there are 864,509 Muslims in Cabo Delgado alone. And so these people... They don't know Jesus, and many of them are in a situation in a town, in an area where they have not even really heard of Jesus. They've heard of Jesus maybe in the context of Islam, where he is believed to be a prophet, but they have not heard of him as the Son of God, as the Savior of the world who died for their sins. And so in many of these towns, in many of these villages, they have not been even introduced to Jesus as a savior. There is no Christian church um, of any kind. There is no Protestant church. There is no Catholic church. There, there is no influence of Jesus whatsoever in these areas. And so God has called me to go to this area to work with this ministry, just like Pastor Jared was saying. And this ministry is called Project Sonia. 
And just like he was saying, they, they focus on sports camps, they focus on curriculum development, and they also focus on bringing up and raising up a generation of Christian young people from the church that have a passion to reach out to their community on their hearts. And so through their ministry, they also train up young people from their church to help them in that ministry. Because our whole goal as we are going out as missionaries is not just telling people about Jesus, but empowering the indigenous church and the local church to reach out to their own communities about Jesus because in many ways they can do it a lot more effectively than we can because they know the culture. And so as part of these children's ministries, they have on their heart, they know that a lot of times the best way to reach a community is to reach its children. I know that some of you, um, many of you have children Um, whether they're still young or they're adults now, and you can think of people and you can think of ministries that have reached out to your children over the years. And because they have loved your kids and loved your kids well, you were open to hearing what they had to say. And so that's their approach. A lot of these kids, um, they love to play soccer. They love it. It's like their football. It's actually called football there. Um, It's their football. And so they love to play soccer, And in many cases, they have homemade soccer balls that they make. There's actually, on my table, I have a book that has a picture of one of their homemade soccer balls. And so these kids make homemade soccer balls just out of whatever they can get so they can play soccer. But Project Sonia has a ministry where these kids can come to different neighborhoods and different areas, and they get team colors, and they get to play with a real soccer ball, and they get to play organized teams in their age group. And then after they play soccer, they have a devotional. And so they hear about the love of Jesus. Um, I have been, for the past three years, a music teacher. And as a music teacher, I'm going to get the privilege of bringing some music into these events. So I know this, um, prepare yourself, there is some audience participation required in just a moment. So get ready. So I know a lot of you, uh, raise your hand in this room if you have, um, you grew up in church in any way, or if you were in Sunday school or children's church at any time. Raise your hand. Loud and proud. Elbow extended. Very good. I love it. Okay, so this should work. So, um, you ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Perfect. I love it. It works every time. Everybody's got it. Yeah, so as you guys were growing up in church, in children's church, you had these songs like Zacchaeus or I am a C, I am a C-H, I am a C-H-R-A-S-E-I-N, yeehaw, those songs um, that, that you would sing and then they would get stuck in your head and you would be like brushing your teeth at night going, Zacchaeus was a wee little So these songs have a way of getting into our hearts. It seems kind of small, it seems kind of silly, but it's a way for us to plant scripture in our hearts and to learn scripture and to learn Bible stories. Um, And so I'm going to have the privilege of bringing songs like these into that context. And so I am going to be possibly translating songs that I already know, possibly coming up with some of my own. And I'm going to be able to teach these kids songs to help them hide scripture in their heart. That's going to be one of my jobs. I also found out some wonderful, wonderful news this week that has added on to my job. And so the town of Pemba has smaller villages and towns that surround it, and one of these towns is called Murabue. 
And Motoboy is a smaller town, a smaller village that has had no Christian church influence. And so the Shares have been in this area for about a year, and they've been doing um, their outreach program in their soccer camp. They received approval this week to start a church plant in the town of Motoboy. So not only, I know, praise the Lord, I was so excited. Um, not only are they reaching out to the little children, now they're getting a chance to reach out to the families in the area as well. And so as part of my job, I'm going to get to help with this church plant um, in Motoboy. And this is, this is something that I'm so excited about. I don't know what my job is going to be there yet, when, when I know will tell you, but I don't know what it is yet, but I'm just so excited that the gospel is, is being sent out in Mozambique, in northern Mozambique, and that these beautiful, precious people who Jesus loves just as much as he loves you and me are being reached with the gospel. It's, it's really amazing. Um, so if you are thinking to pray, please, please pray for this church plant that's beginning in this town, that God would help the pastor there, that he would, um, that he would, speak to the hearts of the people there, and help them to know their need for Jesus, that he would help us to love them well, and that they would come to, come to salvation in Christ, um, because that, that's our goal. All of the rest, it's fun stuff, but, but at the end of the day, you can feed someone, and you can give them water, and you can serve their physical needs, and we do, and we will, but their greatest need in their entire life is to know Jesus as their Savior. So, um, I have a little song. I'm going to tell you the, the story of it because it's, it's an old song. I had never heard it before I heard it. I had never heard it before my grandmother told me about it. So um, my other grandmother, not the one that's here today, she lives in Lubbock, Texas. And when I told her that I was going to Mozambique, she's very worried and she was very scared. And I could tell that she, she just wasn't sure. Um, she loves Jesus and and. She supports missions, but it's different when it's your own family. And so I could tell that it was really hard for her. And, and so about a month after I had told her, she called me on the phone and said, can you come over when you have a chance? And so I came over to her house, and she started telling me that she, she doesn't drive anymore. So when she watches, when she wants to go to church, she watches church on TV. And she was watching a church service, and they sang this song. And through this song, it spoke to her heart and told her that God was going to take care of me. Um, and this is a song that I had never heard before, and she hadn't heard it in many, many years. So I'm not sure if you will have heard it. If you have and you know it, feel free to sing along. Um, but she, um, she went through her hymnals that she had, and she ripped out the page for me and gave it to me. And so... <laughs> So I have it, and I went to my papa, and I said, can you find this for me and make me a CD of this? And he did. So I'm going to sing this for you. I'll read some of the words. It's called Anywhere with Jesus. Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me in this world below. Anywhere with Jesus, I am not afraid. And then it says later, Anywhere with Jesus over land and sea, telling souls in darkness of salvation free, ready as he summons me to go or stay anywhere with Jesus when he points the way. And so we know that anywhere that Jesus calls us to go, as long as we're in his will, we're safe and we're loved and we're taken care of and, and he will be with us. So I'll sing this little song. It's real short. Anywhere with Jesus 
song and some of you may not have ever heard it before and so I would say if you haven't look past style to see the substance of anywhere that Jesus calls us to go we can go and he will keep us safe and he will lead the way yeah. and so I just have a few minutes left and I'm going to quickly just ask you to pray Please pray for me. Um, please pray for the other missionaries that are here today. That is, that is our greatest need above all. Jesus will provide. Jesus can provide. Um, and one of the ways that he provides is through the prayers of his people. And so please, please, please pray for me as I'm going. Um, if you feel led by this spirit, you can contribute to my ministry. I'll be back at the table at the end, and if you'd like to talk to me about it and ask me more questions, I, I want to answer them. I have also some information that you can read while you're back there um, that just talks about the challenges of reaching out to the Muslim community. If you're curious about that, um, you can definitely read that. I also want to just say, if you are in this room and you feel in any way that God is leading you to go or to stay, um, please just begin to listen to that as that voice as he's telling you what he wants you to do. You know, just the same as I'm going to Mozambique to minister, um, he's calling you, and it may be to Sealing, it may be to Enid, it may be to, to Tologa, it may be to Oklahoma City, it might be to New York City, it might be to Seattle, Washington, it might be to Ecuador. Wherever he's asking your heart to go, please begin to pray about it, please begin to listen. Um, because he will set your steps before you. And so if you're feeling that this morning, I just want you to know that the reason that, that I 
am called to go, or the reason that I first began to know is because I would hear people talk about it, and Jesus started speaking to me. And so if you feel like God's speaking to you in any way, please begin to nourish that call and to just seek his, his will and where he would have you go, whether it's next door or whether it's across the world. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here again. I love you guys. You're awesome. I want to talk to you at the end. Just come and find me. Thank you so much, Kelsey. What an awesome opportunity to be involved in an awesome ministry. So be sure and keep her and her ministry in your prayers. And like she said, be sure and stop by and say hello and visit with her after service on a more personal basis. Now, our next missionaries that we have with us this morning, our next ministry comes to us from Hawaii. And we are excited today to have Rick and Reba Altizer. Did I get that right? I bombed it the first time. Bombed it. Rick and Reba Altizer is with us this morning. Now, Reba, she grew up right down the road in Tologa, and uh, from all the stories I've heard, she is a big part of the success of Tologa Assembly of God. Yeah. That, yeah. I've, yes, your, your reputation precedes you. And so, for the past 15 years, I want you to check this out. They have served in over 32 nations. 32 nations ministering through outreaches, crusades, orphanages, prisons. Um, they go in and get to come out, not going in and staying. Uh, <laughs> pastors and leaders' conferences and women's conferences. Uh, Rick, he's Hawaiian, and he's always had in his heart to return to the islands. And So about a year ago, God opened the door for them to reach the next generation in Hawaii. And so they made the transition from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Hawaii. I mean, that's about the same type of <laughs> geography, right? <laughs> and so, But they currently serve as youth pastors in Hawaii, and they also have an awesome ministry of reaching out to the homeless and also reaching the children throughout their island. And uh, we are so honored and so privileged to have them with us today. I want you to put your hands together and make welcome Rick and Reba Altizer. Hi. Well, we're happy to be here and thankful. Um, yeah, we just moved about a year and a half. It's, in September will be two years. But I just want to encourage the youth. You guys are getting ready to go to camp. And my life was changed at camp and really changed. I mean, um, I was 18. Actually, I was going as a counselor at that point. I had went to camp every year at Turner Falls, and I think now it's somewhere else. But I remember um, I was praying for a little kid, and every young person comes to that place what do I really believe? We all have to make a decision for Christ at some point. And, and we ask young people all the time, when did you accept Christ? And some of the answers we get, well, I was born in church. No, no, there's a day that you make a decision. And so I remember at 18, I was at this camp and these kids were like, will you pray for me? And I'm like, yeah. And so I pray for him. And then all of a sudden I just thought, do I really believe this? And it's okay to ask, but I went outside behind the tabernacle, the church where we're at, and nobody laid hands on me. No music was playing, and I just raised up my hands, and I said, God, I don't know if you're real. I don't know if anything's real. And the next three hours, God revealed himself to me in such a great way, and I knew missions was my call, so I encourage you to ask God what your direction is in life and what he wants to do, because I've never went back. I mean, since I was 18, I heard God speak that missions and evangelism will be your life. And that's been my life. Everything I've done, I've, I, it's just always been around that focus of evangelizing, 
telling people about Jesus and, and loving him and serving in the missions. And I, I was at a church in Clinton one time, and they had this big sign on the back, and it said, as you leave the church, you're now entering your mission field. We all have a mission field. It's right outside our door. It can be next door. It can be everywhere, you know. So it's just obeying God and sharing your faith and letting him work through your life. So anyway, we're glad to be here this morning. We, you know, it was quite hard to raise support going to Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, we've been all over the world, love, love Africa. We love other places. Really, when Rick and I started to pray about where we were going to go or what God wanted, um, he had a heart for the Middle East. I had a heart for Europe. And so I had taken women's teams to Europe. I thought, oh, it's so dark. We need to go there. And, and Rick's like, Middle East really needs. He went back in 2004 when the war was going on. He was going in and taking containers of food and all this. And and we prayed, and I kept like, Rick, you know, and he's like, yeah, I know. I kind of feel that same thing. I, I think Hawaii, and, and I'm like, Hawaii? And, you know, Rick's Hawaiian, and he was born in Hawaii. I'll let him share that. But, but um, and when we would go visit family there, Rick would always say, I feel like we're supposed to do something. I was like, yeah, right, you know. I'm like thinking, this is vacation. This isn't, you know, but God just began to nurture that in our hearts over the years, and um and um, I guess because of our time and serving in other places, when we got ready to go, it was the Lord because he did make a way and he has us there doing his work and we're there however long God has us and we're open to the world. We just got back from Israel, so we do have a heart for the world. So we just appreciate your prayers and love to hear what you're doing. Praise God, you know, for the obedience to go, you know. I went, to, yeah. So anyway, I want to go ahead and sing a song, and then Rick's going to share. And I just encourage you, you probably know it. It's holy ground, so um, you take the presence of God wherever you go. Kelsey's taking it to Mozambique. We take it to Hawaii. It's inside of us. And so I just want you to um, enter into worship with me. As I walked through the doors I sensed his presence And I knew this was the place Where love abounds For this is the temple Jehovah God Almighty we are standing in his presence on holy ground. We are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around let us praise jesus now yes we are standing in his presence on holy ground. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
In his presence there is joy beyond all measure. Yes, Jesus. And at his feet, peace of mind can still be found. If you have a need, I know he has the answer. This is his promise. Reach out and claim it. Child, you are standing on holy ground. Just worship the Lord. We are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. Yes, Jesus. Let us praise Jesus now. We are standing in his presence on holy ground. Let us praise him. Hallelujah. Do you feel the presence of God? He's here. Would you just raise your hands? Say this with me, will you? Say, I am here on purpose. Because I have a purpose. My best days are right in front of me. Because Jesus is not finished with me yet. My mind is open. And my heart is ready to receive the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, don't you just love the presence of God? It's powerful. There's nothing like it in all of the world. Nothing like it. You know, I grew up, I didn't grow up, I was born in Hawaii. And as a young man, tragedy hit my family. My grandfather was murdered, and then my dad went to prison. And so I was born Ricky Ahuna. 
And I was put up for adoption right after that happened because they didn't want my life to follow that same pattern of life. And so I was transplanted here into Oklahoma. And I enjoyed the finer things of life like crappie fishing, bass fishing, spring turkey hunting, <laughs> deer hunting. And I appreciate it. I mean, I love Oklahoma. But when I came to Oklahoma, you know, nothing can break the curse off of anybody's life except one thing, and that's the blood of Jesus. And so as I was growing up in Oklahoma, my name was changed from Ahuna to Altizer. And growing up, going through school, it's, it's a funny name. I mean, it's a German name, but it's a funny name. It's hard for people to pronounce. But I heard everything from Alcatraz to Elka-Seltzer, Alternator. <laughs> I mean, it was just nonstop, you know? And so, but as a, as a young man, and you don't have a father, there's an identity crisis, and as if you grow up having an identity crisis as a young man, you tend to go to the left. You go to the path of least resistance. And that's what happened to me. I got incarcerated into the juvenile detention system. And I remember being incarcerated. And I remember, you know how you can take a mirror in front of you and then in the back you can kind of angle the mirror? And if you look in there, you can see your image one right after another. It goes like infinity. It goes forever. And I remember looking in that mirror and asking God, why am I here? Why is my life like this? I don't understand. And it wasn't until I was 18 years old, somebody invited me to go to a place called Ramah Bible Church. There was a guy there. He was a pastor his name was Kenneth Hagen Sr. And when I walked into the, the building, music was playing. People are running laps around the sanctuary. People are hooting and hollering, raising their arms. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? I mean, I, I've never experienced anything like it. So it kind of settled down. I sat down, and the, um, Pastor Hagen began to preach. And I couldn't tell you a word that he said except for the very end. And at the very end of the service, Papa Hagen, he was just a country boy, but he leaned up against the podium like this, and he said, Jesus, uh, Jesus told me to tell you right now. He's standing here next to me right now. And I thought to myself, could Jesus really be down there? Because I had never experienced God or Jesus or his presence ever before in my life. And so this battle began to happen in my mind. Could he be real? Is he there? What do I got to lose? I'll be embarrassed. Ah, what do I do? And so I just stood up. And as I stood up and I looked down there, everybody turned around and looked at me. And I was like, oh. And I was embarrassed. And so I sat down real quick. Papa Hagen did the same thing. He got up there and he said, Jesus told me to tell you that he's standing here next to me right now. And if you'll get out of your seat, he'll meet you right where you're at. And I thought to myself, okay, I've got nothing to lose. So I, I'm climbing over people, I'm getting out, and as soon as I step into the aisle, I feel this heat 
And this heat just, it, it engulfed me. It went all the way up my arms, my face, everything. And I wasn't sure what happened at that moment. But as I started walking closer, the heat got hotter. And I began to realize that I met the living God for the very first time in my life. And as I'm walking down to the front, all the awful things I did as a, as a young man, as a teenager, began to play back in my mind. And I had this sense of regret. I had this sense of, of, of remorse. And I just, I just started saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My chin started shaking. I started crying. Snot was coming out of my nose, and I was just uncontrollable by the time I got down to the front. But the moment I got down to the front, all those things just kind of like they just got swept away. And Papa Hagen's just standing there staring at me, and he begins to pray, and I go out. Boom. I'm out. When I get up, Everybody's gone, except for just a few people. And I, wasn't, I was like, what is going on? And so in my life, from that day to this day, it's changed my life forever. And there's only one purpose in my life now, and that is to tell people about the power of Jesus Christ. That no matter what you do in your life, no matter how bad a thing that you've done there is a provision that has been made for your life to come back to God you see God loves us so much his 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 love is uncontainable we can't we can't even fathom how much he loves us but he the Bible says that he loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe would not perish, they would not die, they would not go to hell, but they would spend eternity with the Father. Do you believe that this morning? Okay, so I just want to give you just a little bit of background of my testimony. And so, as Reba said, you know, we've been to 32 nations, we've been all over the world, I've been to Iraq. And God began to do a work in our lives as we were going to the nations as we begin to just take a step of faith and speak the word of God, speaking the word of God into the atmosphere. Psalms 103.20 says that the angels who excel in strength, they're waiting, they're hearkening, they're waiting for the spoken word of God to be released into the atmosphere and they will come and perform it. That's how, that's how we get born again. Right? So in Genesis 50:20, Joseph said this. He said, "You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. And he brought me to this position to this day so that I could save the lives of many." Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. Now what the devil did to my grandfather, my father, and all of that, it's horrible. But you know what? God turned it around and made it good, and he brought me to this position, this day, that we can save the lives of many. Amen? Genesis 50-20. You know, any time that you have faith, and faith is believing, 
Faith is trusting the promises of God. But anytime you have faith, there has to be a corresponding action that goes with that faith. Because when you have faith and you have a corresponding action to it, it releases the miraculous. Yes, it does. Yes. That's why I'm so excited for you, Kelsey. Yes. You're yes. putting a corresponding action with your faith. Yes. Yes. And you know what, Pastor, I really felt that whatever comes into us for this offering today, we're to sow it into her. And that's what we want to do, okay? Amen. Hallelujah. But it releases the, the miraculous. When you're corresponding action with your faith, it releases the miraculous. Now, do you remember in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is walking down the shores of Galilee. And he sees two boats. They're called Dugites. And he walks by and he gets in one of them and he looks at Peter and says, Peter, would you push me out? So Peter pushes Jesus out. And Jesus begins to preach and he begins to teach the word of God. And when he was finished, he went to Peter. He said, Peter, take your boats out. Launch out into the deep. Let your nets down, and you will, you will have a catch. That's the call. We're all called. We're called to missions. We're called to set people free. It's the call of God. Peter had a struggle. We all have struggles right here. When we have faith, there's always an opposing force but that's why it's so important to have a corresponding action to go with your faith. Yeah. And so Peter said, Jesus, we fished all night. We've been out there. We've already mended our nets and put them up. But you know what? The Lord was speaking to Peter's heart. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, nevertheless, nevertheless, at your will, I'll go out and let the nets down. And you know the story. You know what happened. Peter went out and he let the nets down and he had such a great catch of fish that it almost began to sink his boat and he started hollering for the other boat. And the other boat came out and they caught so much fish it almost sunk two boats. It's the blessing of the Lord. You see, many times in our life, we want to seek the blessing, but we don't want to do the obedience to get the blessing. That's why corresponding actions are so important to put with your faith. And, and no matter what it is, no matter what, whether it's finances, whether it's relationships, whether it's a marriage, whether it's family, it all works the same. You put a corresponding action to your faith. You find scriptures and you begin to speak them. If you need healing in your body, I'm whole and healed by the stripes of Jesus. You know, no weapon formed against me will prosper. It's the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. But God is so good to us. You know, and there's a process to faith. It's a process. Everybody's been given a measure of faith, but it's up to us whether we have little faith whether we have medium faith or whether we have great faith. But no difference 
if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain, have it plucked up and cast into the sea. Is that right? That's the word of God. But young people, going to camp, I want you to really catch what I'm getting ready to say here. But faith is a process. And the first part of faith is, is we have to hear the word of God. Is that right? We have to hear it. So how do we hear the word of God? We come to church. We hear the pastor preach. We come to Sunday school. We hear the teaching. There's podcast that we can listen to. But most importantly, it's the word of God that we read. And I like to read the word out loud because I'm hearing myself say the promises of God. And it builds your faith. It sharpens your sword. The second thing is, is that you have to believe what you hear. You have to believe it. You must believe the promises of God. How are you going to do it? How are you going to believe the word of God? By reading it over and over, putting it into your ears, putting it into your eyes, and letting it come out your lips. The third thing we have to do is we have to pray. That's how we got saved, right? We heard it, we believed it, we prayed it, we spoke it, and it says salvation has been made unto us. And it's the same way with every part of faith as we pray. The fourth thing is, is that we must receive it. We have to understand that God is a good God, that he loves us and he wants the very best for us no matter what horrible things have happened in our life, what things have gone wrong. God can turn them around and meet them for good just like he did for Joseph because he'll make those things work for your good to bring you to a position to where you can minister to somebody else that's gone through that very same thing and that's the pattern that God usually uses. The fifth thing is, is we have to confess. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> Just raise your hands and thank Jesus. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> the fifth thing is, is we have to confess the word of God. It has to be a regular part of our life. Speaking the word of God. If you have children, if you have teenagers, speaking the word of God over your teenagers, over your grandchildren that are teenagers. It makes all the difference. Because do you realize in the first chapter of Genesis, when God, it gives the account how God created the world, he spoke eight times. He spoke light. He spoke for the water to be separated from the sky. He spoke eight times. And on the sixth time, he said, let us create man in our image. So if we're made in God's image, that means that God must have two eyes, two ears, a head, a mouth, two arms, hands, legs, feet, right? We're made in his image. And if we're made in his image, then we should be able to do what God does, right? So if God spoke the world creation by speaking it, how much more are we to speak the word of God and frame our world of our children, frame our marriages with the word of God by speaking the word of God by the Holy Spirit? The, the sixth thing that we have to do is we have to meditate on it. And it, 
I'm not talking about some Eastern religion. I'm meditating, but I'm talking about thinking about the Word of God, thinking about how God works, how how the promises of God, how are they articulated, and how do they apply to our life? When we think about those things, then it makes a difference. And the eighth thing that I want to tell you about is that you have to be a doer of the Word of God. You have to have corresponding action to go with your faith. And it makes all the difference in the world. As we went to Hawaii, it was, it was hard. It, it was difficult because we had been on staff at a very large church for 15 years and we thought we were going to be there until Jesus came back. But you know, our pastor, he got lymphoma and he passed away. And the whole church, you know, we're, we're, we're a faith church. We're word of faith. We were believing for him to be healed. But as he, as he passed away, we were just, everybody was just kind of like, what happened? What happened? But you know, a lot of times, healing comes by just going to be with Jesus. A lot of times. And they said when our pastor, when he passed away, he said he had a smile on his face. Jesus came and got him. And he was with Jesus. And so I think if we have a decision to make, you know, whether we're going to stay here or we're going to be in paradise with him, then I, I think, you know, we would choose to be with Jesus. But it was very difficult for us um, as we, we heard the word. We knew what we were supposed to do. So we began to sell everything. We sold the house. And we put off all furniture and, and storage except for the important things like our computer and our coffee maker and a, and, and a few pair of clothes. And so two days before we're supposed to leave for, for Hawaii, I have six trunks that have basically everything we're going to use to live in Hawaii. I got six trunks, and I've got zero money. And so we're getting ready to fly out, and I had a pastor call me, and he said, can I take you to lunch? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> I'd like to go to lunch. And he said, the Lord spoke to me that I was to help you with something. And I was like, Really? And he goes, well, what do you need? And I said, well, I got six trunks I need to send to, to Hawaii, but I don't have any money. And he said, come by, and the church secretary will write you a check. Just tell her how much it is. And I was like, wow, thank you, Lord. So we went down to Oklahoma City, went to the FedEx office, shipped them off, came back. The day after that, we got on the plane. We flew to uh, Honolulu. And uh, when we got off the plane and we were walked out, A family came, and they said, God told us we were supposed to give you this van. It was a 2007 Toyota Sienna van, leather, decked out, very nice. And so we're like, thank you, Lord. So we went to missionary housing, and we began to drive all around the island, try to figure out where we were going to live. And Reba's like, pray, pray. I don't want to be in this missionary housing any more than three days because it was, it was tough. I mean, we were grateful, but it was... It was, it was hard. And so then we got a phone call the next day. An 83-year-old Japanese man named Harold Ayabe 
he calls me up and he said, did you sign a lease yet? And I'm like, how did you get my number? How do you even know who I am? He said, never mind. He said, did you sign a lease? And I said, no, we have not signed a lease on any place yet. He said, come look at my place before you do anything. Just come look. We're like, okay. So we, we got the GPS out. We drove over there. We get to his place and we meet him. And it's exactly what we need. It's a three-bedroom. There's two-car carport. Um, everything is centrally located, the bank, the post office, the grocery store. Everything is right there. And as Reba and I were looking at each other and talking to each other, she said, do you realize that when we were here doing the pre-trip, we're, we're only like two blocks away where we prayed and asked God if we could live in this neighborhood. And it came back, and it came back to our remembrance. And so, Mr. Ayabe, he didn't make us pay a first month's rent, last month's rent, or a deposit. He said, just move in. And at the first of the month, then you can pay your rent. We're like, thank you, Lord. But the faithfulness of God. See, we didn't, we didn't see it. We just had the, 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 the word from the Lord to go. And then as we took that step, God had already arranged the provision. And that's why I want to encourage you. It's there. You just keep putting corresponding action to your faith, and you keep putting one foot in front of the other, and you just keep going. And God's going to be faithful to you. He's been faithful to us. It's amazing. And so could you put those slides up? I just want to show you just a little bit. Um, you can go to the second slide. Is that as big as it gets, I guess? Praise God. But anyway, we being in, in Hawaii, we have three circles of influence that we have. Number one, we're reaching out to the elementary schools. We're um, training young people to do Bible after school Bible clubs to go into the high school um, into the elementary schools. And it's very effective because we use the same pattern that you do. We use songs, we use games, and repetition to get the memory verses, to get the scriptures in them, and to get the stories in them. And so a lot of times these kids are, um, are uh, this is the only church they have. Go ahead and scroll down just a little bit there. And, um, and then we have the high school outreach that we do. Um, we have around 30, 40 kids that come. Uh, to our to our classroom every Monday, and I bring five extra large pizzas, and so all the football players show up. <laughs> you know, because if you if you feed them, they'll come. But the the awesome thing is is that we have that opportunity to give them the Word of God, to plant the seed of the Word of God into their lives, and it makes all the difference in the world. Um, we did a, an incredible outreach. Um, we're working with a, a Assembly of God church there in, in uh, Kailua. And they've never done any type of outreach before, but outreach and evangelism, that's who we are. And so I was talking with the pastor, and I said, hey, let's do an outreach for this, um, for this high school. And he goes, well, what would that look like? And so I put it all down on paper, and I showed it to him, and I showed him the budget, and he's like, oh, I don't know. You know? And I was like, listen, you just show up and you just let me do this. You know, because, I mean, this is, this is our gifting, this is our calling, and, and God's in it, and God loves reaching young people. 
And so we went out, we bought surfboards, we bought uh, Xboxes, we bought skateboards, we bought all sorts of things as fishing lures. Because <laughs> what did Jesus tell Peter? He said, Peter, I want to make you a fisher of men. Don't be afraid and don't let your heart be troubled. That's what Jesus told Peter. And Peter became a fisher of men. So you have to have bait if you're going to fish for men. Right? And so as we did this outreach, it was we had about 70 kids show up, but we had 24 of them that gave their life to the Lord. And I mean, it was just phenomenal. But it's, you see, it's, it's getting in that rhythm, developing your faith, right? Hearing the word of God, believing it, receiving it, praying it, meditating on it, confessing it, and then put a corresponding action with it. When you get into that rhythm with the Holy Spirit, nothing's impossible. All things are possible with God. And as we did that, we were just so amazed and so awed at God. And then we have that Waianae Outreach, which is on the, the west side of the island. And, uh, you know, in 2005, I was in Haiti after the earthquake. We went down there and built homes and brought uh, relief down there. But when I went into this camp in the Waianae, I thought I was back in Haiti. A lot of people call Hawaii paradise, but it's perspective. It depends on where you go. But this camp has 140 families that live in it. They live in tents, makeshift tents. You can scroll down. Let's see what, if it's... I'll go back up at the top. I think it's at the top. I'm sorry. Um, to the Waianae Outreach. It might be up there. But we saw the way that these people were living. There's no electricity. There's no running water. Um, they live, they have shipping pallets that they've built walls and they built a floor and then they put tarps over it with sticks and with rope. And it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. And as we begin to look at the children, they were malnutrition. And so the organization that we're working with, with uh, planting the clubs, you know, I, I went to the state director and I said, listen, we got, we got to do something for these kids. And I said, well, listen, that's, that's not our job. All we do is just give the gospel. We just do the Bible clubs. We don't have anything to do with anything else. And I thought, oh, my goodness. So I began to pray and I asked God. I said, what can we do? And out of my relationships from the past, working at Victory Christian Center, we begin to get these food packets in. And they, they give them to us for free. It's a 21 mineral, 21 vitamin, 52% protein enriched rice meal is what it is. And so we get them free, but we just have to pay for the shipping. And as we begin to just pray and ask God, you know, and, and, and the provision came for it. Somebody gave us a warehouse. Somebody started paying for our shipping. And so we just started connecting with people around the island that have a heart for the homeless, a heart for feeding the hungry, and giving them the gospel. Because we don't just want to be another feeding program, but we want to be God's answer to these people, and that's to give them Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're, we're very grateful for what God's allowed us to do in the island of Hawaii. But what I want to encourage you right here at Elm Grove is to ask God. See, God wants to take you deeper with him. 
He wants to take you in a deeper intimacy. He wants to take your faith to a greater level. And he wants, he's got greater things in store for you. Your best days are right in front of you. Your best days are right in front of you because Jesus is not finished with you yet. Greater things for this city. Greater things for your farms. Greater things for your jobs, for your family. That's the kingdom of God is increase. But we have to keep the horse in front of the cart. We can't get the cart in front of the horse. Amen? Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? Would you just raise your hands and just worship you? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that our best days are right in front of us. We honor you. We lift you up. We exalt you, Jesus. We thank you for this church, God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you for this youth group. We thank you for the infilling of the Holy Spirit in each one of these young people, God. That there's an evidence of being filled with the Spirit by praying in an unknown time. We thank you, Father, that you will give them as they begin to pray in the Spirit, that you would give them the interpretation of their tongues. We thank you, Father, in this church that the the gifts of the Spirit will be operating. There's words of prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, tongues and interpretation of tongues. We thank you that there's healings beginning to manifest in the church. If you need healing in your body, just declare it right now that I am whole and healed. Raise your arms and begin to tell him that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. He's here right now. Jesus. If you're struggling in your mind, you feel like God's calling you to do something, but you're you're scared. There's that battle that's going on. I've been there, I know. It's a common thing, but listen. Put a corresponding action to your faith and begin to reach out and receive it. Begin to speak it with your lips. We pray for marriages, Father, for marriages to be restored and to be healed in this church. I thank you, Father, that this church is a lighthouse to this community. I thank you, Father, as you spoke the word to pastor about the young people coming back and being pace setters. We decree it in Jesus' name. We thank you that everywhere they go, they bring the presence of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for increase in their lives, that you begin to speak their destiny to them. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, we pray for Elm Grove Church. We pray for increase, Father. We pray for an increase of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Word of God being preached, uncompromised in the We thank you, Father, that you're calling them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Then when people hear of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this church, that they're drawn here to get their lives reconciled to you, Father God. 
And I thank you and I commission every one of these church members here. I commission them with the ministry of reconciliation. When they go to Walmart, they're seeking divine appointments, those that they can speak the word of God into. That people are drawn to them because of Jesus. We thank you that as Jesus is lifted high, that all men are drawn unto you. And that it's the goodness of God that leads all men to repentance. So we thank you for anointing on this congregation, on the pastor and Pastor Jared, Pastor Sherry, Pastor Orland. Father, we bless you. And we thank you for this time, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Just continue to worship you. Just bless his name. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. sense his presence this morning. He's here. He wants to talk to all of us. And here's what he wants to tell you. I love you too much to leave you where you're at today. And as we leave here this morning, I just want you to leave here with anticipation that God is speaking this morning. He withholds no good thing from those that walk up right before him. And we're going to release our missionaries to go to their table this morning. And on that table, uh, we're going to make sure that there is a place uh, for you to sign and how much you'd like to pledge for the next 12 months. Kelsey has a 12-month appointment. Is that right, Kelsey? And will y'all be back in Reba in a a year? All right. All right. So for the next 12 months, if you'd like to support, uh, you you either let Carolyn know or you make sure you sign the sheet, and we're going to be a part of these missionaries' lives. Amen. Amen. I'd rather, how many would rather give than go to Africa? <laughs> All right. We love you this morning. We can never say thank you enough for the love and the, and the prayers that you have supported us with during the past several weeks. And I just want to say today, God has so much in store today. And as Jared leads our troop of young people to camp, They'll not return like they came in Jesus' name. We're going to pray this morning. Father God, today, words can never express our love and appreciation for the goodness of God and the blessings. And Lord, the way you've orchestrated today for these missionaries to be here and challenge our hearts and to share the love of Jesus with us. And as we release this congregation today, Lord, we just give praise and honor and glory that we've all been together in your house and we've had an awesome day in your house today. Lord, we just praise you and we release heaven's best upon the missionaries and their families as we continue to go the way that you've prepared for us. Lord, we ask a special anointing upon Jared and Jenny today and all of the support adult group that will be going with our youth. May this be a time when we can lift our voice in praise and say thank you, Jesus, for all you've done and for what you have in store. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you.